How are we doing today, church? How many of you have gone back and looked over on the notes or watched the series on reconnecting? If you've not, go and check it out on the Instagram, go and check it out on the YouTube. Because I'm kind of going to be following on from where Sam left off in terms of reconnecting. Um, and there was some really powerful stuff we were saying about last week in terms of us just being. And in our being, actually, that's what actually births out the fruits of whatever it is that God has called us to be. Um, today, I want to talk to us about something that we, like, we were singing some songs during praise and worship about the presence of God and being desperate for God. And I think sometimes when we're doing that whole thing of reconnecting, it's only when we realize we're out of connection that we then know to actually get back into the place of connecting with God the Father um, or understanding what God is trying to say because all of a sudden we can't hear him. The, the, the line is a little bit shaking. We can't hear what's been said. And I think a lot of times as Christians and a lot of times as people, we don't really spend enough time actually calling out to God and crying out to God from a place of, God, until you tell me what to do next, I'm not moving. Or until you go with me, Lord God, I don't know how I'm going to go, where I'm going to go in this next situation. And we find, like, I find it really strange, not really strange because I know God is God, but I find it fascinating that if you meet somebody and then they're in a crisis, whether they believe or they don't believe, whether they go to church or they don't go to church, that's the same time they're going to believe. Jesus. They're going to call on the name of Jesus. They're going to call, like, like you have somebody who doesn't ask them, are you a Christian? No, but what do they, what do they, what do they cry when they're in danger? When people are in a, in a position where they know they've gone way beyond the realms of them helping themselves, that's when suddenly you find people turning to God. And it's not to belittle the hard times, because the hard times are real. And when it's a hard time, it's going to hit you, it's going to impact you. But in, there is a benefit in us being prepared and being in the habit of constantly and consciously going to God for what we need in terms of direction. So what I want to talk to us today about is the subject of wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom is a word that a lot of us know. Wisdom is a word that a lot of us understand. Wisdom is a word that we've probably heard over and over and over again. But actually, when you get into the detail of what is wisdom and, and, and how we apply it, it looks very different depending on who you are and what you prioritize in your life. Now, we all know how to cry out to God for direction when we're in trouble, right? But why do we wait for trouble in order to ask for God's wisdom on a situation. Why not bring God into the situation at the beginning? So if you look at some of the guys in the um, Old Testament, or not even, in, like, if you've seen anyone here watch Game of Thrones before, a couple of hands who've watched Game of Thrones. If you look at all of these, like, um, kings of old, olden days, like, a lot of these guys, they would go and find a seer to tell them whether or not they should go to war or not. Like before they made a move, they would go and they would make sure that they went to somebody 
who was wise. And the person was the person's wisdom wasn't just based on the fact that the person was old or anything like that. But this person could read into the times, read into what what was what was being said spiritually in this situation. So whether or not they'll go to someone who collect bones and grind it and then go and look at some chicken scratchings and stuff like that and then say, right, this is this is what you should do, oh king. Should I go to war to, with, 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 with that other tribe? Right. Right now is not the time for you to go to war. Like people, like kingdoms used to base their strategy on the counsel of these individuals. And nowadays we are getting into situations and I just want to provoke us to think what counsel are we seeking before we're getting into these situations? Because we have to have a strategy about whatever it is we're doing. And if we are keeping ourselves in a place where we're constantly being connected to God, then that actually is, are we putting ourselves where God can be the one who gives us that wisdom? So what does the dictionary say wisdom is? Um, because for me, the dictionary definition of wisdom and the biblical definition for wisdom, they are kind of different because of where they start, start from. So, in the dictionary, it says, like, I think this was Colin's dictionary, um, the ability to use your understanding, your, your knowledge and experience to make a good decision and judgment. So that's what the Collins dictionary would say. The ability to use your knowledge and experience to make a good decision and judgment. So, if we're looking at, okay, how do I make a wise decision in something? I'm going to go based on my knowledge and my understanding, right? And my experiences. So I know that if I was to um, put my hand in fire, because of my knowledge and understanding of how fire works, and because of my knowledge and understanding of how um, my hand is going to react to that, I know what to do in that situation. If I'm going to be cooking, for example... I'm now going to use my knowledge and understanding when I'm standing in the front of barbecue when barbecue season starts up again. And I'm saying, right, okay, I want to be cooking up some jerk chicken and stuff like that and some jerk ribs. For those who are vegans, we'll put some corn on the cob and some plantain on the, on the thing for you. But I'd use my knowledge and understanding of what's happening in the coal so that I'm, I'm being wise about how I'm, I'm interacting with that. And that's going to inform my decision making. Okay? So... That's what the world says. You use your knowledge and understanding and you apply it to it, but then you apply it to make the right decisions and you apply it to make the right judgments. What does it make to mean to make, what do I mean by make, make judgments? Judgments in the sense that you then decide whether this is the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. Are we following so far? So in the sense that wisdom is me using my knowledge and my experience to make sure that I'm making good decisions and I'm making the right judgments, making sure I know what is right from wrong. When I start thinking about what is right from wrong, that is a... Two seconds, guys. Um, when I'm thinking about what's right for wrong and I'm using my knowledge, I'm basically deciding what is moral and what is not. Because morality, when you start talking about morality, that is a 
overriding principle that there is some things that are wrong and there are some things that are right. Does that make sense? So if there are some things that are right to do, if you're in a situation, you know it's wrong for you to do more than the speed limit on a particular road. There is a right thing to do and there's a wrong thing to do. That is determined by the laws of the land. They say whether or not you can go up to this speed limit or change down. Now, there's an incident that happens ahead of you. The speed limit allows you to be driving at 70 miles an hour on that particular road. You then notice that there's a car that's slowing down in front of you. The right thing to do, because of your knowledge and understanding, is to do what? Slow down. To drive at a different speed. Now, you're now using your understanding and knowledge to make a decision on what is right or wrong to do in that situation. You're applying wisdom. The Bible describes wisdom and its fundamental principles slightly differently. And I think we've all read the scriptures before. But I want to talk to us about the way the Hebrew word wisdom is used. Because the Hebrew word wisdom isn't just used as somebody's knowledge and understanding or being really smart at a particular subject. Yeah, It goes a little bit further than that, as in to say that actually, if I am very skilled in the application of something, then that's when I'm actually applying wisdom. So if I'm somebody who is um, an accountant, for example, my knowledge and understanding of the laws of accounting and the way to do this sum, and I, I don't really know exactly what accountants do. If someone's an accountant, please come in your business card. Maybe you can upskill me on that. Um, but like the, what, um, the knowledge and understanding that they would need to basically be a good accountant, it goes beyond them just, I know the knowledge of it. The point in which they go from being, right, I've passed all the exams, I've done all the tests, to then go into that next level of actually they're accredited as this is somebody who, yes, I can entrust my money to for them to help me manage. That's when they start to apply that in a skilled way. When you see the musicians playing their drums or playing the, the keyboard or playing the sax or even singing, they're using their knowledge and understanding of singing in a skilled way. Now, the Bible talks about wisdom all throughout the, the book of Proverbs. And in the book of Proverbs, we see a slight difference in the definition of what wisdom is all about. Proverbs chapter 9, verse number 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, I kind of want to take that scripture in two chunks. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, the, of wisdom. So, whereas before, we were saying that wisdom started from the point of my understanding and my experiences. That was where wisdom began, like in terms of, okay, what do I need to decide what is right and wrong to do? What do I need to make sure that I'm making right decisions, that I'm being wise about stuff? Was my knowledge and understanding. That's the way the world works. If I'm a wise guy, it's because of the experiences that I've had and how I'm applying them. But what the Bible's saying here is, 
the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of me being able to use knowledge and understanding to make right decisions and stuff like that. So if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of, of wisdom or me being able to decide what's right or wrong, what does the fear of the Lord look like? What does the fear of the Lord look like? The fear of the Lord is not a I'm scared of God because we've said that Jesus died so that we can come before the mercy seat of God. But the fear of the Lord looks like when we are at a place where we can actually reverence God. What does that word reverence mean? So if there is somebody we think about in our lives, and this is a person that I give the utmost respect to, and respect is a bit of a funny word because in our, dare I say, in our generation, respect is earned before uh, more than more than more than bestowed upon people. But actually, there is a level of respect that people get because of a position or, or, or authority they have. If you see, because if you dis, if you if you disrespect their office then actually you, you pay the consequences. If you see a police officer and you don't show him a certain level of respect, what's going to happen? He'll show you that he has some certain legal powers to deal, to, deal, to deal with situations. If there is a young child and they don't give me a certain level of respect, there is a certain dynamic in our relationship that means that actually there's a shift because if there's a, a five-year-old there and he became, becomes disrespectful to me, I'm, I'm capable of <laughs> I'm capable of being like an African um, well I don't even want to say African parent but like I'm, I'm capable of going old school on them yeah and that is not the that's not the meter stick which we're using to define fear or respect or reverence we're saying that actually if there is somebody that you actually admire if there's somebody that like in school, when I was in school, there were certain teachers that I didn't really care about what they said. They could shout all day long, make all noise all day long, and it's, it's not really going to bother me. But then there were certain people that even if they were upset with me, that was the point that I didn't really want. There were certain family members, there were certain uncles that, if my mom said to me, listen, I'm going to tell uncle so-and-so, like, that was it. I, I respected that individual so much that I didn't want them to have a bad opinion of me. I didn't want to do anything that would displease me. Um, that, that, I didn't want to do anything that would displease that person or make me look tainted in, their, in that person's perception. And it's not because of any sort of, like I'm putting them on a pedestal, but actually because I respect the person. And respect is, 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 respect is something that God cherishes. Like when you, when you, um, if you love someone, you respect them. If you don't love someone, you will never, ever, ever respect them. Those who you, those who you feel at liberty to disrespect, those people who you don't mind chatting back to, those people who you can get angry with and actually it doesn't really bother you how you feel, how they feel about what you're feeling. Those are those the people that you really love. But if you love God, then because you love God, then you will respect God. And because of that, 
it means that you're going to actually have a fear of God in the sense of there is going to be um, there is going to be a longing to please God. There's going to be a longing to do the things that, that makes God happy. There's going to be a longing for you to actually do the things that God is happy with. There's going to be a longing for you to make God happy. And at that point, when our sole focus, our sole desire, our sole desperation is to make God happy, that's the point when we're beginning to walk in the fear of God. So in practical sense, what does that mean? If I fear God, it means that I'm going to love him. If I love him, that means I'm going to obey him. It's another word that we don't like to talk about too much because to obey someone now means that you are going to be the person who's, who's telling me what to do and actually there's my knowledge and my understanding which I've been dealing with for the last how many decades so I'm not a small boy anymore. But actually, if we love God and if we're fearing God and we get into a place of where the fear of God begins all our wisdom, then are we willing to obey everything that he's put before us? Now, this is how fundamental wisdom gets. Hebrews talks about it where it says that when the earth was being created, wisdom was being used. This is how fundamental wisdom is. So if we're trying to do anything and we're not applying wisdom, we're not applying, and the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So when God was creating the earth and he's like, okay, there's nothing there, right? He was using wisdom, his knowledge and understanding. His, his plans for what is about to happen. That was what he was using to make the things of the world come about. And in doing that, in doing that, he had to make sure that, okay, I know that Aji's going to be born so, so, so great. Okay, he's going to be doing this and this and that. Okay, because of that, that's his knowledge and understanding. He's now creating this and creating that. And if we are then trying to run our world on our own knowledge and understanding, then the fundamental parts of this world were based on God's understanding, God's love, God's knowledge. Then why aren't we going back to him with that reverence and saying, God, what is it that you want us to be doing in terms of living a life that is based around your wisdom. If we look at um, a guy called Solomon in the Bible, considered to be what one of the wisest men that ever lived, one of the richest people to ever have lived. His wisdom was so much that people came, like people heard the hype of Solomon, they came, saw him, and they're like, actually, you know what? The way they described you didn't do you justice. This is how wise the guy was. This is how, like, renowned he was. And before he, um, at the beginning of his time as king of, his, of Israel, he understood what he was expected to do. Like, he understood, like, the gravity of, of the role he was about to take on. And because of that, he went to basically go before God and say, look, God, I want wisdom. There's, there, there's so much that I'm going to need to do to be king of, 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 of this nation. Like my father was doing it, and I could see the stuff that was hard for him. 
like the, the before him, the kings that, that was there, and all of these things. Like this is this is a big situation because the Israelites were a stubborn nation. They were the, the kind of nation that every so often they would like get upset with their rulers and be like, "What are you doing? What are you doing? Like you don't really know what you're doing." So he's like, "Look, God, I don't want this to be me. So what I what I really need, I desperately need, I desperately need you to give me wisdom so that I can." deal with this, 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 this kingdom. I desperately need wisdom so that I can judge what is the right thing to do. So when it is that I'm supposed to do this, when it is that I'm not supposed to do that. And in doing that, in offering that prayer up to God and, 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 in, and in being earnest about it, what happens is that he then finds himself in a situation where he is now, God said to him, you know what, because this is what you've asked for me, I'm going to give it to you. A lot of times in our lives, God becomes, God's wisdom becomes the afterthought. If we go back to the scripture where it said, um, Proverbs 9 verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If I'm loving him, that means I'm giving him that respect. I'm sure that's the fear of the Lord, that respect. Knowledge of who he is. How do I get to actually know who he is? Knowledge of the Holy One. That's when I get understanding. The, 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 the dictionary definition said when we're using our understanding, that's when we are applying wisdom. The Bible is saying when we know who the Holy One is, that's when we have understanding. So in order to have understanding, I have to know who God is. So who is God? Who is the Holy One? Who is he to me? Who is he in my life? We've spoken about whether or not God is the landlord or God is the tenant in your, in, in your situations. Whether he's the one who has full control or he's the one that you basically, you borrow him um, you borrow him the key and then actually you take it back after a few seconds. Knowledge of the Holy One is when I have understanding. So before I can even say that I have wisdom about a situation, before I can say that I have the understanding of what to do, if I don't know who God is, then it means that I don't have wisdom. If I don't have wisdom, then I'm trying to operate based on my own understanding. My own understanding isn't enough. Why isn't my own understanding enough? Because the things of this world, the foundations of this world were based on God's wisdom, not on my wisdom, not on your wisdom, not even on the wisdom of the people of this world. Because all they're trying to do now is actually put into place principles which are in the Bible. And some of these principles, the fact that you just do them means you get results. If you give, then you find that more comes onto you. That's a principle that people use. You've got people who are billionaires who basically take that biblical principle and make sure that actually I'm constantly giving to charities. I'm constantly doing some, some form of philanthropy. They don't go to church, but they know it's a principle that works because when the world was created, the foundations of it were God's wisdom. God's wisdom isn't just for the church. God's wisdom is for the whole of creation. God's wisdom is something that transcends the four walls of, 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 of I go to church, I go to the meeting center. 
God's wisdom is something that breaks into every single part of our lives. So in the same way that the kings of old, in the same way that the people who had to make serious decisions before used to say to themselves, let me see what the wisdom of God is on this situation. How often are we doing that? But then we can only do that if what? We are loving God, and by loving him, I mean showing respect to him, because then if you're respecting him, that means you're showing the fear of God. But then also knowing him. That knowing isn't just something that you do just the once. That knowing is finding yourself and keeping yourself in a place where you're staying reconnected, you're staying connected to his signal. Amen? The book of Ecclesiastes says something. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Now all has been heard. Here is the um, conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. Fear God, keep his commandments. This is the duty of all mankind. Ecclesiastes is one of those books where the guy's just talking about all the stuff in terms of what's good, what's bad, what's in between. And he's saying, after all of these things that we've considered in terms of what is it, what, what, what is the meaning of life? What are these deep and meaningful questions that we're trying to wrestle with? After we've taken up all of these things, after we've taken up all of these things, what's, what is the conclusion that we're supposed to come to? It's real simple. Fear God, keep his commandments. Fear God, keep his commandments. Like Jesus, when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God. Against that, there's no other law. If we are fearing God and keeping his commandments, then that means that we are applying wisdom to every situation that we've got. Because God then becomes our barometer. God then becomes our our way of judging whether or not something is the right thing to do or the right thing not to do. And until we're getting to that point, we're going to be confused because we're going to be running off of our own understanding. Because the Bible even says, look, look, your ways aren't my ways. Your thoughts aren't my thoughts. Because my thoughts are even higher than yours. Because understand this, God sees everything in a, in, in a completely different paradigm to the way we do. God sees everything in a completely different... So, even from, 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 from the most tragic things in life to the most joyous situations, God's perspective on it is completely different to us. So, if we constantly come to come at it from our perspective, then we're not going to be able to use wisdom. We're going to be using our own type of wisdom, but that's not the type of wisdom that we need to be running our lives on. Teach me your ways, O Lord, and I will walk in thy truth. Psalms chapter um, 86, 11. 
Unite my heart to fear thy name. That should be our prayer. That should be our prayer. As people who are living a life for God, as people who are hungry to find ourselves in the things of God, people who are desperate for God to speak into our situation, people who are desperate for God to intervene in our situation, we should be saying, God, teach me your ways. Because if I try and do it my way, I know that I'm going to fall into some situations. But if I'm doing it your way, God, and then, Lord God, you have to give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. My heart has to be undivided and only for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you because your wisdom isn't our wisdom, Lord God. We thank you because your, 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 your thoughts aren't our thoughts, Lord God. Lord God, we ask that you would teach us your ways, Lord God, so that we, every, every step of our way, Lord God, we will be able to consult you and we'll be able to act not on our knowledge, Lord God, but on your knowledge, Lord God, on our knowledge of who you are, on our knowledge of you as the Holy One, and our knowledge of you as our Savior and our Redeemer, Lord God, on our knowledge of you as the one who completed every work that was needed to be completed, Lord God. Father God, we pray that this will be something that we will continue to walk in, Lord God. This will be something where we will use your wisdom, Lord God, in the situations where men try to use their wisdom, Lord God. And because we apply your wisdom, Lord God, we will be found to be ten times better than our peers, Lord God. Father God, we speak this to be our, 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 our portion in every single thing, Lord God. For in Jesus' name, Lord God, we pray. Amen. If there's anybody here who doesn't know, because we were speaking about wisdom being the knowledge of the Holy One, if there's anyone here who doesn't know that Holy One, who doesn't know that Jesus who is the Savior, who doesn't know him to be the one who finished every work that we needed to be done, who made every way possible that, so that we don't have to do anything, but in terms of us being obeying, obeying his word, all we have to do, do is to be in that. And there's someone here who needs to know Jesus for the first time or who needs to come back to that place of knowing him. If that's you and this has been a long time since you knew God or you knew him to be the Holy One or you knew him to be your landlord, you knew him to be the Lord over every situation in your life. If that's anyone here and you want to just take this moment as, as an opportunity to to course correct or change your life for the first time. I want to just give you that opportunity. Because without him, there is, there is no, there's no peace without him. Without him, there's no joy. As a church here, we like to say this together. So, we can just say after this, repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for being my Savior. I thank you for dying for me. I thank you for dying that I can be redeemed. I thank you for, 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 
for rising from the uh, from for being risen from the death and being resurrected to the place with Jesus um, with God. I acknowledge my sins, Lord. And I know that you are the only one who can redeem me. And I thank you for that redemption. In Jesus' name.